Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there, hello to you today, and welcome to this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show, the podcast that focuses on getting the promises of God into the people of God, which is actually where they belong, because when they're in us, we're thinking about them, we really believe them, and we're willing to live a life of faith where we're like all in with the Lord, and we know that we know that we know that what he has promised in his word is true, and what he said he will do is absolutely what he's going to do. I want to mention today that uh, I don't have a traditional sponsor for this episode. The sponsor for episode number 166 is simply this, Thanksgiving. I want to encourage you to spend time with people that you love, to make it a point to relax in some way, shape, or form, to spend time with the Lord and to express your gratitude and thanksgiving, and to know that I am thankful for you. In case nobody has said that to you in a minute, maybe in a very long time, maybe ever, I am thankful for you. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app, and this is episode number 166. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, we're going to be looking at Second Chronicles today because we're continuing in our series, Every Book of Promise. Uh, two chapters we're going to take a look at, chapters 6 and 7, and I am in the Amplified today. Just to give you like a, a frame of reference for these two chapters, um, Solomon, David's son, who ascended to the throne after David died, went to be with his fathers. I love it when it's said like that. I don't know why, but went to be with his fathers. I don't know why. I just like it when that's the biblical description of the end of someone's life. So Second Chronicles 7 and 8, or 6 and 7, is when Solomon has uh, ascended to the throne, the temple that David wanted to build but could not build because the Lord told him, you shed too much blood. Your son will build it. Solomon has completed it. And now here we are. It's the dedication of the temple. I'm going to read, let's see, I'm going to read verse 12, 13, and 14, and then we'll probably skip ahead to chapter 7. So a few verses of chapter 6, bounce ahead to chapter 7. Verse 12, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the entire assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Okay, I got to pause right there and say, is that not a beautiful example of public prayer? I love this. He spread out his hands. He's getting ready to pray. And he's going to do some praying. I mean, you just kind of get that feeling, right? He's thankful and he's going to pray. Uh, Verse 13, the second half of this verse, he knelt down on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. All right. He's getting serious about prayer. He's on his knees. His hands are spread toward heaven. Everybody can see. He doesn't care. He is going to pray and worship and thank his God. Verse 14, and he said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven 
or on the earth, keeping covenant and showing mercy and loving kindness to your servants who walk before you in obedience with all their heart. I want to make note of something here. Solomon is speaking out loud a profound truth, one that rings down through the ages and a truth that changes how we pray and a truth that we should say out loud to one another, just as he said it out loud before all Israel. This is an example of how we should follow the New Testament admonition to encourage one another all the more as we see that day approaching. And the day, of course, means the day of Christ's return. We are seeing that day drawing nearer for sure. There is no God like the God of Israel keeping covenant and showing mercy and loving kindness to his servants who walk before him in obedience with all their heart. Are we obedient? Are we obedient with all our heart? If so, then we ought to expect to be on the receiving end of this promise. And it is a promise. Look, this is part of God's character, and he cannot be otherwise. He cannot be separated from his character. It's who he is. He's not like man at all, where you're like, man, I thought you were this, and then I realized you were that. You will never experience that with the Lord. There is no shadow of turning with him. Who he is is who he is, and he cannot be otherwise. So this is a promise to us because what God does for us is tied so closely to who he is. That's why it's a relationship with him. He wants us to know him so well that because we know him so well, we know completely and and just with total and utter all-in sold-out assurance that what he says is what he's going to do. We know this because we know him, and the two are not separable. He's not like man at all. Somebody needs to hear that today. Maybe you've been burned, burned bad, burned royally. God is not lying to you. He will not ever lie to you. Who he says he is, who he shows you he is in his word, that's who he is. Count on it. He will never do you dirty the way maybe you've just been um, hurt, wounded, just maybe even decimated and destroyed. God will never do that to you because who he is is linked with what he does. Always, always, always. It's tied so closely to who he is, his promises. He can never be less than fully God. He is always faithful. He keeps every promise. He is keeping covenant, as it says here in verse 14 of chapter 6 of Second Chronicles. Think about that. Keeping covenant in the present tense right now. Right now. He will show us mercy right now. And believe me, you, his mercy toward us, it's remarkable. We want that. We want that promise to be true for us. We need it. So let's walk before the Lord in obedience. Moving on to chapter 7, verses 1, 2, and 3, and I'm still in the Amplified here. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the Shekinah glory and brilliance of the Lord filled the house, the house meaning the temple. The priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory and the brilliance of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw how the fire came down and saw the glory and brilliance of the Lord upon the house, they bowed down on the stone pavement with their faces to the ground. My friends, there's gravel being dug into their foreheads here. Their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. 
What can we learn from this? You know, listen, when God shows up and he shows out, his people know it. When God shows up, his people know it. Or at least they ought to know it. They should know it. Do we ever miss God showing up because we're looking for something else? Maybe we've kind of put God in a box in some manner and we aren't expecting this because our expectation is for that. And so we miss him. Can you imagine not seeing this particular event where the Shekinah glory is like, bazam, I mean, it's shooting out of the temple. I mean, I think this would have been just an astounding, profound, remarkable, incredible moment in all of history. It's a standout moment in, throughout all of time. Yeah, they hit, their fa- they hit the ground on their faces. Their faces hit the ground. Do you know that that's what it's going to be like for you and I when we stand in the presence of God? You know, there are people, I'll be honest, recently, uh, someone that is a family member of my husband's, he said, well, I go meet the man upstairs. I'm going to have a few questions for him. It's like, number one, he's not a man upstairs. He's not a man like us. You cannot stand in his presence. That's a ridiculous, nonsensical thing to say. The man upstairs, who is that? What does that mean? This is God, the Lord God most high. The Lord God of heaven's armies, the maker of heaven and earth. You will fall down as dead in his presence. That's, uh, that's what we see, Old and New Testament, when somebody encounters the living God. We're not telling him nothing. And he is not the man upstairs. That's incredibly degrading. Think about the behavior and the characteristics of man, of fallen man. And we live in a fallen world. And without Jesus who redeemed us, we are just part of fallen mankind as a whole, right? Think about that. To bring God down to that kind of a level and make it a common saying, the man upstairs, it's really, I'm going to say it borders right on blasphemy. In fact, I'm going to go farther than that. It is blasphemy. And don't say that if you've ever said that. Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. And you can pray and say, God, if I'm ever going to say something to refer to you in a blasphemous way just to fit in and be comfortable in the situation, may I bite my tongue so hard it bleeds? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Revere him as holier than that. Because one way or another, your face is going to hit the pavement someday. You're going to have some gravel digging into your forehead. You may as well start doing it now. He's so holy. Let's not play around with this stuff. I know I'm getting fired up and passionate, but is God not worth it? Yeah, I think he is. He's worth a little bit of passion and he's worth somebody, a whole lot of somebodies, all of the somebodies who bear his name, the name of Jesus, who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's worth all of us saying, my God is holy. He's so holy. He's beyond anything I can comprehend. And I will not refer to him as something that lowers him down to the same status as man who he, by the way, created. Okay. So that's one thing we can learn from all of this is that uh, maybe we aren't experiencing these kinds of like, whoa, maybe we're missing some of what God is doing when he shows up because we're expecting him to be like this over here and we're not expecting that. Maybe just set aside the expectations and realize God is really good at surprising us and showing up in ways that we just go, wow, all the glory goes to you, Lord, all for you. Okay, so this event, can you imagine being there but not seeing it? No, everybody who was there saw it. The sacrifice that Solomon made after God's glory was put on display, like as we read it in the following verses in chapter uh, 7, like I think verse 14, um, look, the sacrifice that Solomon made, these are the numbers, my friends, 
22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. There was a time when I did like a nine-month Bible study on the New Testament book of Matthew, and all the time I was doing that study, it was like the mantra of those of us in the group. Mantra, can I say mantra? I don't, that's really, it's really not mantra. I shouldn't say that. What we kept kind of saying to remind ourselves as we studied was think like a Jew. Can't really do that because I'm not Jewish, but I sure tried to get into like a, a more Jewish mindset. And one of the things that we learned is that after the sacrifices during, like you think about their Passover, their annual trek, and they would each bring a lamb, each family brought a lamb, and these, these sacrifices were made. We have this vision of it, or maybe honestly, we've never thought about it of like, okay, yeah, we know that the animals are sacrificed, but we cannot imagine the volume of sacrifice and the volume of blood. They would have been walking in it, the high priest. The bottom of their robes were probably swishing in it. There was a lot of blood. Think about this. 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. Wowza. Have you ever made a sacrifice like that? I know you haven't sacrificed, you know, 142,000 animals. I know that. But I'm going to say, what's the equivalent for you? What's the, what's the sacrifice you've made to the Lord that cost you something? Sometimes it might be like, oh, this is going to cost me. I feel like I'm going to, I usually save face around my family in the holidays and I don't get too Jesus-y with them, but I'm going to, this year I'm going to out loud, I'm going to thank Jesus. Not, I'm not even going to try to hide behind, well, yeah, praise God. I'm going to say praise Jesus. I'm going to mention the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's a sacrifice you have made or maybe, you know, might need to make. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here a little bit. But have you? can you think of a time when your sacrifice cost you something? It wasn't your leftovers. It wasn't the extra that you had lying around. But it came at a cost. And you were just thrilled to give it to the Lord. I mean, you can't think of anything greater than to give that sacrifice to him. And think about where we're told in the Bible to give a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Bring a sacrifice of praise to the house of our God. I hope you do that this Sunday when you go to worship. Man, you praise in a way that's like, uh, it's a gift to God and you're glad to give it. If you've never experienced this, I sure do hope you get that opportunity because it's a beautiful thing. And I really want it for you sooner rather than later because there's nothing quite like giving something to the Lord that costs you something and you give it with such joy, you're elated to lay it before him. Uh, a little later in chapter 7, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and he told him some things. Uh, verses 13 to 14. Uh, remember here that this is God speaking to Solomon. So this is in quotes. If I shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence and plague among my people who are called by my name, and they humble themselves and pray and seek, crave, require as a necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land, end quote. Okay, this is God speaking. These are the very words of God. Do we believe this? Do we do this? Do we even really know what it means to humble ourselves before him in this manner? Have we ever done that? I know I'm being super frank on this episode, but if we can't be if it can't be nothing else, can we at least be frank? You know, particularly when it comes to the word of God, let's be frank about it. It says what it says on purpose for us to grow and mature and to read it and do it, as it says in James. 
Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, not a reader only. Be a doer of the word. So let's do what it says. Here it says God's people need to humble themselves when hard times come on their land. Yes, I know. This is the Old Testament God talking to Israel. Uh, But I think we can and should apply it to the big C global church to followers of Jesus. We have problems in the world and we have problems here in America. We have sin problems in our country. It does not say that everyone, that those who do not know the Lord, that those who don't want to know the Lord, that those from differing religions, the atheists and so on, that they have to humble themselves and pray and seek God and crave his face as a requirement and a necessity. It says that about his people, not about everybody else. So that's you and that's me. Do you require as a necessity, like you cannot do without it. You require as a necessity God's face. I have got to be up close and personal with the Lord. I need to know that his eyes are on me. I need his favor in my life. I need to know what he wants and I need to do it. I'm going to seek the God's face. Lord, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do here? And I think I just quickly spoke and said the God's face, or no, the God's, it is God, God's face. So I think you knew what I meant, but I always want to clarify when I catch myself and correct myself. Never want to, even in my quick speaking, because I am a speed talker, misspeak about the word of God. I try to go back and correct it. I know I miss it a lot, but um, my heart is that the spirit would show me and I would make a correction. Do you and I really turn from our wicked ways? Again, you know, we can't only expect the lost people, those who don't know Jesus, who have not experienced Christ as revealed to them, which is what it talks about in the book of Hebrews. We can't expect them to turn from their wicked ways. They don't know him. They don't know what we know. The implication here is that God's people can have wicked ways, and he wants his people to turn from those wicked ways, turn away Put it behind your back. Literally turn your back on the wicked ways in your life. Say you don't know what those are, like on a personal level. Well, there's an easy way to find out. You just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any wickedness in your heart, in your mind, in your life. He will answer that prayer. And then when he does, you just need to turn your back on what he reveals. Uh, Spoiler alert. It will probably be very different than you think it will be what it is that he reveals to you when you pray this prayer. And you may have to really make the decision to turn on it, to be done with it, to crucify your flesh in that part of your life. A couple of areas that I'll mention here that can be super controversial to um, Christians in the modern era and maybe to the church as a whole in, I'm thinking the Western church here, like the underground church, maybe in Lake North Korea. This probably is not an issue for them, to be honest. Here's the big one, worship of our children. We don't even like to admit That the way that we treat our children, when we put them on a pedestal, when we let them run the family, you know, the two-year-old makes the decisions in their home and we call it, you know, that it's just like uh, the child-led parenting. What? Find that in the Bible. You will not find child-led parenting in the Bible. And I will argue that with you all day long. It is child worship. It's just got a different label slapped on it. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's not good for them. It's not going to lead them to the feet of their father. It's not going to take them to the foot of the cross if they think they're all that in a bag of chips. Where does that stop? Well, I don't want to go to church and this is a child-led home, you know, a child-led parenting. So I, we're not going, none of us. Like, when does it stop? Really? Seriously. Worship of our children is a thing. It is a thing. 
Misuse of our time. Ooh, man. Ouch. The most precious commodity that God gives us, I really believe this to be true, it's our time. It's one, I'm not saying the most precious thing, because people are, are the most precious thing. So the people he puts in our lives, that we are to love well and to try to draw near to Jesus, to just share Jesus with them in some way, shape, or form continually. That's the most important like thing, more important than anything else, but commodity. It's time. It's not your money. It's time. God gives us time, and our time cannot be reclaimed once it's squandered. Being afraid to look enough like Jesus that the world sees us as a peculiar people, that's another one. I've named three here that the Holy Spirit could really very easily convict pretty much me and anybody else that I can think of about something in this arena. Worship of our children, elevating them to a status that God would not have them elevated, where they take precedence over him in some area of our life. Uh Uh-huh. Misuse of our time. Uh Uh-huh. Just look at your smartphone, you know, the little Apple, you know what it does each week? This is your amount of time you spend. It'll tell you how much time you're spending. It's probably every week you're like, yuck, that's not good. And then being afraid to be a peculiar people. Yeah, we want to love Jesus, but we also don't want to be like, we also like a lot of things about the world. I want to look like the world. I want to talk like the world. I don't want to be completely out of the loop. I want to, whatever that might look like in your life. Are you a peculiar people? We're supposed to be. We're called to be. Just a few things. Just a few things to give you kind of an example of what the Lord may reveal to you if you're brave enough to pray and ask him what your own wicked ways are in his eyes, through his eyes. Doesn't really matter anything else, does it? Like, isn't that what matters, what he says? His perspective, above all and over all and beyond all else? I cannot do anything outside of pray for other people and their and their messes. And we all have messes. I can pray for them. That's it. I can't do anything else, though. But regarding my own messes, and I have plenty of them, I can yield to the Lord day by day. And then I can see him make a molehill out of my mountain. I'm going to say that again. I can pray to the Lord about my own junk. And I can literally watch him with my own eyes. I can see him. Uh, Maybe not with his Shekinah glory, but man, I am not going to miss it if I'm praying about it continually. Ask him, what are my wicked ways? Listen when he tells me. And where did I come up with those three items? Not off the top of my head. Uh, Ask me how I know. Have I ever prayed and asked God to show me some of these things? Huh, you think? Yes, for sure. And then I continue to pray, Lord, clean this up. And I get to see him make a molehill out of my mountain. Only God can do that. The mountains really do melt into the sea when he speaks. And that's true of the mountains in your life and in mine that maybe aren't like a physical Mount Everest, but they feel that big. He can, he will, he still is in the business of making them into molehills. And you know what happens then? He gets all the glory. And that's exactly how it should be. Okay, I'm going to wrap up this episode, but also as a quick FYI, I'm going to be out of town for a minute uh, during the, you know, a little bit before and during Thanksgiving. So there might be a couple extra days before episode number 167 releases, but um, I may be able to, depending on where I'm at and how my Wi-Fi is and how much time I'm spending with the people that uh, I don't always get to spend enough time with, I might be able to share a couple links from earlier episodes, like uh, pull something from the vault and, uh, yeah. You know what? I don't know that I'll reshare it as a new quote unquote new episode. I may just share some links on social media. So you can watch for those posts on Instagram, um, X, Twitter, 
Facebook, uh, maybe TikTok, and that's about it. But I will see you back here after Thanksgiving. Have a blessed Thanksgiving and know that as we work through this every book of promise in the Bible, I want you to be encouraged that you can open your Bible and read it and you can hear something from God to you every single day, every time you open it, because it is the living word of God and it is living and active. And it isn't just like, um, there's not just like one promise in each book. There's, There's way more than 66 promises. Like you can have hope from the word of God, the Lord speaking to you every single day. And I hope you grab hold of that. My hope for you is that you find that hope every day, that you find those promises every day, and that you see God doing things that take your mountains and just squash them right down to molehills. All right, I'll see you back here after Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.